This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, Paul Wheelock here, and welcome to a special spin-off podcast on the Blood Red channel. Two points clear at the top of the Premier League and through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, Liverpool fans can have no complaints with how this season is shaping up. However, throughout this campaign, there's been plenty of talk, not least on our podcast, about how the Reds are still missing a number 10, a playmaker, a Philip Coutinho. Now, there's no question that Liverpool got the better end of the deal when they sold the Brazilian to Barcelona for £145 million in January of last year, but few would have predicted just how Coutinho would fare at Barca, so much so that there are now indications that he could be sold in the summer, with Manchester United of all clubs one of those strongly linked with his signature. So to get the inside track on Coutinho's time at the new Camp and see whether he will be on the market in the coming months, I spoke to Sam Marsden, who is the Barcelona correspondent for ESPN. We also talked Luis Suarez, Lionel Messi and the prospects of a mouth-watering Champions League semi-final between Barcelona and Liverpool, among many other things. I really enjoyed speaking to Sam and hopefully you'll enjoy listening to our chat and we'll be back on Thursday with Neil Fitzmaurice's Poetry in Motion podcast. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi, Sam. Thanks for joining me to talk a little bit about Philippe Coutinho, Luis Suarez and a potential Champions League semi-final between Barcelona and Liverpool. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. Uh, doing good, thanks. Nice to have the little little respite of the, of the international break because games obviously as, as Liverpool know come thick and fast at this, this stage of the season so there's not much time to sort of reflect on what's happened so far and look ahead to what's to come I don't think it could ever be a bad time to cover Barcelona but especially not this season you must be really enjoying it yeah yeah no it's really enjoyable um, obviously the, they've been spoiled here really for the last 10 years to the point where even when they're winning doubles and stuff um, fans are complaining because they're comparing it to Real Madrid's Champions League success, but that's the sort of level they're on from the from the outside or from from an English perspective. You can take a take a step back and really appreciate, you know, especially in Suarez and these type of players when they're playing their best football. It's a, it's a pleasure to see them. We will come to Suarez uh, a little later on in our conversation, but I think it's only right that we we talk about a player who's not having a good season. I think it's fair to say, and like the team itself, uh, a player who's once adored at Liverpool and still attracts a lot of interest from Liverpool fans, and that's uh, Philip Coutinho. So, is this dream move he's made to the new camp turned into a bit of a nightmare, or is, is that too dramatic? I don't know if it is too dramatic. I mean, it's been bubbling on for a, for a couple of months now. It's really interesting. It's really interesting to look into it because obviously he came in January, the dream move, and he basically had sort of a free six months. Nothing was really expected of him. Uh, he did really well. Um, scored, I think he scored 10 goals in about 20, 22 appearances last season, but he didn't have that pressure of, you know, having to come in and perform straight away because he couldn't play in the Champions League. So he was sort of free of the... The elimination to Roma, that wasn't on him or anything. And he was allowed sort of the second half of the league season with the league almost wrapped up to sort of bed in, get used to his new teammates. And then the Copa del Rey as well. And he did really well, um, often playing in the front three. And then things have slowly unraveled this season um, to the point where now he wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a starter if Barca had everyone fit. He would be out, out of the team. And... Even on Sunday against Real Betis with Usman Dembele missing, a big game for Barcelona, he was left out of the team in favour of a four-man midfield with Vidal and he just came on for the last minute, which felt felt like a big sign of the way Valverde's thinking with Coutinho at the moment. Haven't given him a lot of chances, probably more chances than maybe he would have given other players because of because of the fee that they paid for him. And obviously the quality he has as well. You wanna you wanna don't wanna 
he seemed like a player playing without confidence at times. And obviously, Valverde thought, you know, keep playing him, stick with him, try and find that confidence back. Maybe taking him out of the team would have been a hindrance as opposed to anything else. But um, he's not quite managed to get that confidence or that spark back that he did have when he when he first joined the club. What do you put that down to? Is, do you think it's the pressure with the fee? Maybe it's dawned on him or is it maybe the position he's playing in? I don't know how much it is to do with the fee. Uh, Gerard Piquet spoke last week saying there's a lot of expectations on him to do with how much Coutinho puts on himself. I think maybe that's reflected in the coverage that we get of Coutinho, obviously, because there was such a big fee spent that the local press and even the wider wider press expect expect him to do a lot. But I think it's more to do with a positional thing. Um, I guess at Liverpool, they kind of had it a little bit with, with Coutinho, where's, where's his best position, but it seems in the end they settled on, you know, through the middle as a sort of number 10. And the idea at Barcelona, Robert Fernandez, the sporting director who signed him, who's now not with a job, does uh, he works on does punditry on television. He's obviously spoke quite a bit about Coutinho in the last few weeks, and he's of the firm opinion that Coutinho's not necessarily best position because Barca don't really play with that number ten role because obviously Messi drops in there. But Coutinho's best position in the Barca side would be in midfield, and the idea was that he would come in and sort of step into Iniesta's role on that sort of inside left position. And from the start of this season, that's where we did see him playing, where Valverde was playing him. And he quickly dropped him from that role because he felt that Barca needed a more a midfield more prepared to sort of work and defend. And having Coutinho was almost like having a fourth attacker as opposed to having a third midfielder. So Coutinho, while being dropped from that role, he wasn't dropped from the team. He moved to, to left wing then and Dembele was dropped. And we had a few problems with Dembele and video games and being late and yeah. stuff. And for a few months... He was, uh, he was the one getting all the flack. Um, then Coutinho got injured. Dembele got his act together. Dembele came into the team, started doing really well, and Coutinho came back from his injury. And I'd say since then, the combination of sort of feeling maybe like he didn't have a home in the team, to then getting injured, to then losing his place to Dembele, they've all sort of contributed to knock his confidence is what what I think has happened. And he's, he's really struggling at the moment to get it back. He has moments. He had a good first half the other week against Rai Vallecano. Um, and then against Leon again, he was okay, but he's not the Coutinho we saw at Liverpool. And I just think, yeah, it's hard to see at the moment how he how he recovers his form or that spark. When I think one thing, another thing as well to add to that is obviously when you're playing in a team with with Messi and Suarez, so they're the guys that the your teammates are looking to. You know, in a tough moment, you're giving the ball to Messi, you're giving the ball to Suarez, and I think maybe Coutinho is not. Uh, not the type of player that necessarily is, you know, prepared to step forward and be like, you know, give me the ball as well. Show me, let me show what I can do in the way that maybe Neymar did when he fitted in so well with, with those two. You mentioned Dembele there. Is there a trainer thought that Coutinho needs more time in the same way that Dembele maybe has had a further six months at the new Camp than him to, to truly settle in? Or is that just not on the agenda at all he's got to deliver soon? I don't think that there's, there's, a, there's the idea that Coutinho needs to settle too much. I mean, his language, Spanish language skills with the similarities of course. with Portuguese and obviously being in Barcelona before with Espanol have helped him fit in quite quickly as well as his friendship with Suarez, which facilitated a friendship with Messi quite quickly. Dembele has obviously had issues more to do with youth, youthfulness and his sort of immaturity um, of not quite knowing how to be a professional at this level. And all the reports of Coutinho, you know, he's, com- he's completely professional. There's no problems there. There's no problems with his teammates. It just purely seems to be a lack of form, a lack of confidence thing. 
which is which is really getting to him. I mean, he's off the pitch. He seems quite shy. He doesn't seem boisterous or outgoing. So I don't know if that is reflected on the pitch once he has a problem and his head's down a little bit, if he's then overthinking things or just, yeah, little things like that. But no, I don't think it's a problem with adaption. And Dembele is obviously injured, as, as you mentioned earlier, but it did feel significant that he didn't play him against Betis at the weekend. But do you think there will be more opportunities for him, given this busy schedule that's coming up after the the, the end of the international break? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be opportunities for him. I think he will uh, get a couple of games after the international break. Uh, the thing with Betis, I believe, was, you know, Betis obviously won at camp now earlier this year, so I think uh, Valverde wanted to pick a more more conservative side to sort of the, to fit the way he wanted to play that game and Coutinho like I said having Coutinho as a third attacker or even if you put him in midfield it's still like playing with a third attacker so I think he wanted that four man midfield which was why Coutinho suffered so it will be sort of on a game by game basis but when you're the games that Barca have got after the international break the first one is Espanyol at home you'd expect Coutinho to start that game just because you know you're at home you're on the front foot Betis are a side who you know push teams back and the strange it sounds they obviously have more possession than Barca Barca were happy to let them have the ball in the way but so Barca needed to be more compact in that sense and I don't think Valverde completely trusts Coutinho in in that role yeah if you've got that a manager who maybe doesn't trust him completely it, it kind of goes in hand in hand with these reports we're hearing back in England that there's a chance he might even be in Seoul in the summer do you think that's uh, beyond comprehension do you think he, he could actually move on in, in the summer the longer this goes on, the more, not more likely I think it is, but the more feasible perhaps that Barca would accept would accept an offer. I mean, the problem is they paid so much, they invested so much in him that they don't want to take a big hit. If a big offer arrived, they would maybe consider it. At the moment, you know, the club's official line is, you know, he's not for sale, you know, we support this player, we back him, he's going to come good, you know, he's got ridiculous quality, that's why we pay so much money for him, we can play different positions, he's young. Which is probably something worth remembering as well, because you know Messi and Suarez are both 30, well, Suarez thirty two, Messi thirty two this summer. So they've not got as much as Barcelona fans don't like to hear. It, they've not got loads of years left in in them at the top level. Although Messi can keep surprising, so that's another thing to consider with Coutinho at the club. But unofficially, there are whispers. You know, if you know Manchester United, Chelsea, or whoever it be, Bayern Munich came in with the summer and you know just tested Barcelona you know, with a bid. Not up to 160 million, but around 100 million. Maybe the club would think, you know, maybe maybe it is the right time. Maybe we can cut our losses and invest that elsewhere in someone who is going to come in and play regularly or who is going to produce results. It is interesting. I spoke to James Pearce, our Liverpool correspondent, before he had uh, a well-deserved break uh, this week. And I, I said, like, you know, do you think there's any chance of Coutinho ever coming back to Liverpool? And he said there appears to be no b- bad blood. I know he didn't do his uh, his reputation too well this the summer before last when he complained about a back injury and then came back and played. But he said uh, he thinks that's fine, but the situation would probably be with the fee and the wages. And, and you said it there, Barcelona wouldn't want to be taking too much of a hit wherever he goes if he if he was to go this summer. No, and well, just I'm just guessing now because I don't have insight on Liverpool's point of view. But if they did come in with a bid, it's almost it would almost feel um, Barca would almost feel more um, off put to you know sell him <laughs> yeah. back to the same club they bought him yeah. for from so Very much. True. Even if it's the same, even if it's the same price that another club are prepared to pay, it almost feels a bit like they've been especially had if it's another if it's Liverpool again that they're selling back to. Yeah, very true. And himself, I read an interview he did uh, recently. He didn't particularly rule it out himself, did he, when he was asked about his future? No, yeah, he spoke the other day when he admitted that he hasn't played very well for the last few months. 
he was really honest and in that same sort of shy, quiet way. You couldn't help but feel a little bit bad for him, really, because obviously he feels the effects of all the headlines. And it is intense here with the two two Barcelona-based newspapers they've got to fill every day. So the, the stories and the analysis is constant. And even if players say they don't read the news or they don't watch the telly, that gets through to them. And you could see that he was, you know, feeling a bit bad, that things quite aren't working out for him at the moment or aren't going the way he'd hoped or expected. And he said, look, I've not been playing well. Um, and when he was asked, you know, what about the future? He's like, I'm just focused on the next game. You never know what, what happens in the future. So he didn't certainly slam the door shut on leaving in the summer or say, look, I'm here. This is my dream. I'm going to stay here. He didn't go that far. It's really interesting what you say there because I think people who, who live in England and obviously follow and devour football think it's intense. Is it, is it even more so in a, a city like Barcelona there? You talked about actually having two newspapers almost dedicated to the club. It, from your experience of growing up here and now living and working over there, is it even more intense? I mean, for me, I would say yes. It's difficult to completely judge because obviously in England you have... Uh, you have to, you know, yourselves at the Liverpool Echo, Manchester Evening News and stuff. But I guess they're just sort of sections in the newspaper. Uh, I don't know if they're daily or not. Or yeah, yeah. Daily. Obviously, you have on you have online as well. So there's stories constantly going out. But I think it's just it's just the history of the the two newspapers here means it's been a constant in Barcelona, and it does even to cover. I'm not complaining, but it does. It is a very it is a very draining club to be around. There's always stuff going on. There's always you know, just in the last last few years, say there's you know there's always stuff going on off the pitch with tax cases, with Neymar, with with Messi's tax, with different different things, with the, the transfer ban, with the signing of young players. There's always political the political stuff with the independence had a knock on effect with the club, which they then played behind closed doors. Um, there's never really a quiet moment at Barcelona. I mean, obviously Coutinho is away from that, but it does through to the players and the coaching staff, especially. And you've seen like when Guardiola and Luis Guardiola and Luis Enrique left. One of their main reasons was they were just they were just tired of what they say the interno, which is you know sort of like the surroundings of the club and the constant twenty four seven nature of everything that goes with being being part of Barcelona. Not to, not talking about Coutinho, but talking about um, Dembele at the time. Um, Suarez and Pique both both mentioned that they were like, look, Dembele needs to know what it's like to be at a club like this twenty four seven. It's not just you know it's not just a job. It's twenty four seven. You need to be switched onto that and you need to be professional. Just one final one on Coutinho before we, we talk about Messi. Uh, pick up a point you made earlier. Is it hard for Coutinho because he's got to play in the same team as Messi? I know that sounds strange, but he's, as you say, they're kind of similar players, similar positions. Yeah, I think it can be. I think he obviously doesn't get that space in the middle that he would like to have. He's allowed to cut in from the left, but if he's cutting in from the left, Messi's cutting in from the right, they're going into the similar channels. So I think he's quite aware of that and maybe that sort of prohibits what he does a little bit obviously playing with Messi for all players they say it's a dream it's great um, and maybe maybe I don't know I don't think any players have necessarily said it maybe Zlatan maybe there are downsides on a personal level not on a team level because I think the team still benefits but on a personal level maybe players do have to change a little bit if they're playing around Messi I mean when they had the front three of Messi, Suarez and Neymar Rakitic obviously said look my job is just to run for them because yeah. um, Rakitic is Actually, if you look at some of the stuff he's done at Sevilla, some of the stuff he even does at Barcelona, when he's allowed a more creative role, he's really good going forward. He's got he can beat a man, he can score goals. But his role at Barcelona is almost just you know sort of doing the doing the doing the hard work in midfield, winning the ball back, getting the ball, and giving it simple. Uh, that's obviously not Coutinho's role, but he's obviously not the main man. It can be different when you're coming from. I mean, in Liverpool, he was part of the front four, and, and Salah was emerging, but I guess he still had the the confidence and the 
the belief that he was the main man, that he was going through the middle. There wasn't, there weren't people cutting into his space. And when you're denied that at Barcelona, you're all of a sudden taking on a different role. You're wary of other players that are around. And I think, I think that does have a small effect on the on the pitch. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Really interesting, but again, when you've got a player like Messi, why not build a team around him? He, he left us all speechless with his, his hat trick, and particularly his third goal against Betis at the weekend. You've been watching him for a while now. Is that one of his best yet? And I certainly know the, the reaction inside the ground was, was just incredible. Yeah, it's good to see when you see the, the reaction from the Betis fans. I wasn't there at the weekend, but just following on TV. Um, and yeah, it felt special when the when the chip went in and obviously all the reactions sort of verified that I wasn't the only one thinking that. Um, I mean, I don't know if maybe it's his greatest chip. It's hard to know. There's been so many great moments watching Messi and I think the moments that obviously stay are the ones that you see live. I always remember the, the Bayern Munich goal when he put two defenders on the ground in the semi-final. That always rem- felt like a big one because it was the first Guardiola return to Camp Nou as Bayern boss. And the way he dumped Botang on the floor and dinked um, Neuer was a, was a really special moment, one that I always remember. But there's so many; it's ridiculous to ridiculous to try and try and choose one. But that chip was was right up there. What's it like covering Barcelona and seeing Messi? Because it does feel like you, you're witnessing history here. But he'll certainly go down as one of the game's greatest, if not the greatest player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you absolutely feel like that. But in the moments, it's hard to. For example, sometimes you have to do player ratings, and obviously it's quite hard because a messy performance is not really on. It's not really on a one one to ten scale like the other players. So sometimes in the past, like his score, like you know, if you look at his hat trick, his game of the weekend, and say that's a ten. If he then scores, you know, in the next game, he scores one and sets one up and plays quite well. Is that a ten as well? Or is, sometimes you think, well, yeah, I gave him a ten last time, so that's just a seven or an eight. And then you think, but if Coutinho had done that, you'd be going, what a performance from from Coutinho. If any other player had done what he'd done, you'd be like. So yeah, it's almost like when you see him so much, you become sort of normalised to his to his behaviour. But no, you still you still realise that uh, what's going on in the history that's being made. Especially when you get moments, there are moments when you realise, like the Betis moment or other games I've spoke about when he does something particularly special. That's absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, Mohamed Salah last season was probably put in that kind of Messi Ronaldo bracket, and while he's he's certainly not struggling this season, he's probably struggling a little bit to to live up to the ridiculously high standards that he set himself. Is that one of the reasons that makes Messi truly great? Is because he's just like his consistency is absolutely remarkable, isn't it? It's like thirty goal after thirty goal season. I think for his Barcelona career. That's the thing. I mean, I think he's on thirty nine goals in all competition for this season already. I think that's one of the two the two things I would say that made Messi really sort of stand out for me are not the goal stats because they're there for all to see, but the, like you say, the longevity and the consistency, the fact that he almost, I would say, four in five games, he is that, that level. Um, you know, he'll have a disappointing game every once in a while, um, but hardly ever. And then the second thing is the fact, like everyone looks at the goal stats, but then if you actually watch him, his general play is almost more important to Barcelona than his goals, his setting up of goals, his creating a play, and he gets deeper and deeper every season. Uh, his passing, that, that ball that he plays out to the left to Jordi Alba, the, the dribbling pass play, is just, uh, just so complete. He's not really a goal scorer. He's like a, he's like a playmaker with uh, clinical strikers, goal scoring numbers. 
know, I think I was amazed when he actually finished fifth in the in the Ballon d'Or standings last year. I was actually surprised Salah didn't finish higher than sixth. But for Messi, do you think that's kind of spurring him on? Because surely he would have felt a bit put out by that. Yeah, I think little things like that do spur him on. I mean, he always says they don't, but the impression that we get from other people around the club is there are little things. He does have, he doesn't let them show like maybe Ronaldo would, little things, not just to do with individual awards, but, you know, we see it in matches if something doesn't go his way or if someone's particularly aggressive with him or does something he doesn't like, you see him, there's a 10, 20 minute spell where he's like, right, this is it, I'm going to make something happen. I think everything spurs him on. I think he's spurred on by that. I think he's spurred on by this season especially in the Champions League having not won for a few years Barca's disappointing performances and having to sort of watch as Real Madrid have dominated it for three years four of the last five years um, he said pre-season you know the Champions League is we want the Champions League this season back at back at camp now which is I mean it's an obvious saying but it's not something that he says so openly it's normally you know all trophies are the same this 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 but he was like you know we want this trophy back at, back at camp now this season come on to that in a second but before we talk Champions League uh, just have to ask you about Luis Suarez another player who made the, the move to Barcelona from Anfield unlike Coutinho he seems to have fitted in seamlessly scored an unbelievable goal himself against Betis is he still as important as ever to Barcelona? You know what Luis Suarez is having a funny season because his goal scoring numbers are still good and there have been games when he's been ridiculously good but there have been other games and even games within games when he's good, when he's just comically bad, his touch is off or he misses really simple chances and messes up passes, you know, nothing comes off for him. And quite often, the you know, the press conference after the game with Valverde will be like, you know, what's wrong with Suarez? Why is he so, why playing so bad? Uh, and even against Betis at the weekend, he missed two really good chances uh, and, and does that assist for Messi with the back heel, the no-look back heel, and then scores a Messi-esque goal where he sort of runs past three players. Um, so he's an interesting one. But in terms of his importance to Barca, even when he's off, he's so important to, to the team, even if he's having a bad game, as Valverde says, because he's that focal point that sort of creates space for Messi. Because you can't, even if he's having a bad game as a defence, you can't leave Suarez unattended. So, and he works so hard, he's chasing everything, he's running around. And yeah, I mean, with him and Messi on and off the pitch, uh, inseparable. There's a strong possibility we'll see him and Coutinho back at Anfield later in the season in the Champions League semi-finalists if Barcelona beat Manchester United and Liverpool get past Porto. Do you think that's how it will play out? Do you think that's uh, what's set up for the last four? Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine that's the that, that's what will happen. Both teams are favourites. I mean, there's it's been quite a good Champions League this year, so you, so you never know. Man United obviously beat PSG. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Porto, but, you know, they could... Pre- Provide an upset. There's certainly history in the competition this season to suggest that you certainly can't relax or take anything for granted. But you'd imagine it's going to be Liverpool against Barcelona. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and I'd, I'd love to speak to you again if, if Liverpool do get Barcelona. But are Liverpool the type of team and the style of football they play one Barcelona would enjoy playing, or do you, the kind of team that may you know may make life difficult for them? I think Barcelona enjoy playing the big games, uh, regardless of the style they're playing against. They often this season have come played their best football when it's most mattered, as we've seen when it's mattered most. Sorry, as we saw sort of against Tottenham at Wembley, they played really well. The Clasicos against Real Madrid, they won three out of four. Uh, Leon last week in the Champions League, they played really, really well in the first half, perhaps the best half of the season. Uh, Sevilla in the Copa del Rey when they were two-one down from the first leg, they won the second leg six-one. So. I think in that sense, you can expect Barca to be at their best if it's a Champions League semi-final. In terms of Liverpool style play. I think Barca are a team that 
in the past, you just said, look, Barca are going to, even when they weren't in the Champions League under Pep Guardiola, it was a massive surprise if they were losing. You wouldn't be surprised if they lost to, to Liverpool at all. Um, you'd make them favourites, but they're a team that can can be beaten. They're not unbeatable. There's not an air of invincibility about them that there once was. Um, they've got good players, um, but Sergio Roberto right back sometimes sometimes a weakness the midfield sometimes sort of switches off a little bit um, PK's been absolutely brilliant in the middle of defence but they've still had moments at the back when Clement Longlet who's also been really good has has not been has made a mistake or given a goal away so I think it would be a fairly even tie and Barca would maybe just be favourites through Messi and through name just just slight favourites maybe they're the only remaining Spanish team left in the competition compared to four from the Premier League. You know, Barca and Real Madrid have dominated the Champions League certainly over this past 10 years. Do you think there's a changing of the guard or are we reading too much into into that, the fact that Liverpool, City, United and Tottenham are actually in the last eight? I think it's difficult to say, really. I mean, Valverde was asked about this after the, the Lyon game. He said, you know, these things can more in sort of years with you know a bit more knowledge if this this continues I think Real Madrid have obviously had a bad season Atletico obviously Juventus was a tough draw um, so you know that's sort of they were tuning up they went out Real Madrid was obviously a big surprise I don't know if there's a change in the guard or not it's hard to really say because I don't necessarily think you know I don't think Manchester United are yet back among the top teams in Europe no, I think I agree. Liverpool I think Liverpool and City are Echelon is, you know, sort of with, and I still think Real Madrid, Barcelona, and probably just about Atletico hanging on in there with with Juventus, maybe. Um, Bayern have obviously switched off a little bit. Tottenham are good on their day, but over the course of the season, they're probably not in that top bracket. So I don't know, maybe with Manchester City and Liverpool, maybe we could see, I think maybe not a changing of the guard per se, but we're certainly seeing big improvements from the English teams given their performances in the Champions League in, in recent years. Um, and I guess we'll see next season whether this was just sort of a one-off for, for the Madrid teams or whether they bounce they bounce back in the Champions League. Just a quick one on Madrid. There is a, a lot of talk there being a, rege- a rebuilding job, I should say, at the Bernabeu. And, and on the quiet, is the same actually happened at Barcelona when I was doing my research for this conversation. You know, a lot of their recruitment, certainly last summer and in, in recent years, seems to be with one eye on the future. Yeah, there's... There's a lot of work going on off the scenes at Barca and there has to be really when you look at the spine of the team, PK 32, Alba 29, Busquets, Rakitic both 30, 31 I think, Messi, Suarez in their 30s. So they need to be um, careful or they could end up, you know, sort of, I think the obvious example that people always look at is sort of Milan after those Champions League finals when they ended up with a really ageing side and they didn't replace any of them. So Barca have started work on that. I mean, I guess Dembele and Coutinho were two signings in that sense for the present but also for the future Frankie de Jong is obviously coming in this summer from Ajax a midfielder they've got a couple of young midfielders at the club coming through in Carlos Elena who's now getting minutes with the first team and Nicky Puju who's training with the first team every day and has had a couple of opportunities in cup competitions um, but they're still looking to strengthen they've signed a young defender in, in January called Jean-Claire Tordibo from France he's only 19 but with an eye on the future they're probably going to sign Matthews Delete from Ajax as well they're certainly confident that they will beat other clubs to him and then they're also looking to bring in a young young number nine to provide backup to Suarez at first but with the with the aim of him being a long-term replacement for Suarez who obviously doesn't have uh, years and years left at the top top end of the game so there's, they're thinking about that and they're also thinking obviously about Jordi Alba as well because 
he's the only left back at the club, so they're looking at you know the possibility of bringing in a left back. Maybe not, maybe not for the future. Maybe just for immediate cover. But in the long term, they will need a, a young left back as well. So yeah, they, even though they've got such a set team at the moment, there is a bit of a rebuilding process going on. But if you look at how it's been, it's been done quite well gradually over the last year. I mean, if you last few years, if you look at the success they've had over the last decade and the players that have gone from that original team. The, the recruitment's been okay. Players like Testeg and Rakitic have come in when it used to be Valdez, Poyol, Dani Alves, Javi, Iniesta, David Villa, and all these players have not gone and they've been replaced by you know other players like, as I said, Rakitic, Sergi players coming through like Roberto or Elenia, and then good signs as well like Samuel Mutiti and Longley in defence. Uh, Dembele's been good. So And Suarez is obviously one who's come in sort of midway through that golden era. So, yeah, there's there's never a shortage of transfer stories at Barcelona. But it's quite interesting in this era of FFP and everyone having to be really careful with the finances. It does kind of beg the question then if you're going to, if they've signed uh, De Jong, it sounds like they're trying to get his teammate from Ajax, you say, back up forward, left back. You wonder if someone may have to go, maybe that will be Coutinho because even last summer you could see that Barca are trying to balance the books a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, to sign all the players that they want to sign, someone will have to go. I mean, there'll be players that they can sell for smaller fees, like they'll hope to get a little bit for Andre Gomez on loan at Everton, they'll hope to get something for Denis Suarez on loan at Arsenal, maybe a couple of others. And then, depending on how much business they're able to do this summer, how many of their top targets they're able to get, there is talk that, yeah, a big player could have to be sold. And the two main options at the moment are Coutinho and Ivan Rakitic, who is... Probably, probably, Valverde definitely doesn't want to lose him. But from the club's point of view, he's the, the midfielder that they could get money for. He's 31. He's um, He wants a new contract at Barca and they're holding off. He definitely wants to stay. It's all a bit up in the air. He's obviously an important part of the team, but from the, I mean, there could be a bit of conflict between the manager and the board because from the club's point of view, he's a saleable asset if, if a club's willing to pay for him as they bring through the other new midfielders. So there could be some sagas there with Rakitic and Coutinho. Interesting summer awaits for you. Just one final question. I know your business is uh, Barcelona and La Liga, but uh, hopefully you keep an eye on the Premier League title race. You, any thoughts on how do you think it'll go? Liverpool or Manchester City, who are of course managed by uh, the ex-Barcelona boss Pep Guardiola? Yeah, well, I don't know if I should say, but I don't feel don't feel too good for Liverpool at the moment. Just based on how things are going, I've not, I've not, I'd have to look at, I'd have to look at the run-ins. But if you're asking me to be honest, I feel that City have feels like City have got the edge now. I mean, and both teams left in the Champions League, so there's no sort of extra focus for one team there or the other. Um, so yeah, if I was being honest, I, I mean, I think it's going to go right to the wire. But I can't see City slipping up more than Liverpool, which is what they have to do. I think it'll be. I mean, it'll be nice for me from a neutral point of view. I'd like to see it go to the to the last day, and I'd like. I'd like to see Liverpool Liverpool win it. That is honest as well, but I don't think they will. Well, we will see. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm sure the Liverpool fans listening to this will also hope you're wrong, but I'm pretty sure they'll have also really enjoyed what you've got to say. Sam, I know I have. Thanks very much, mate. And, and as you say, if Liverpool do get Barcelona in the, in the semis of the Champions League, it'd be great to catch up again. Sure, be nice. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.